Hey, what's up? This is Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 23rd of March, 2021. I just had uh, my first food of the day. It's 12.27. No, that's not true. I had a banana before. I had a banana, but then just now, oh my God. By the way, thank you for listening. I hope you guys are okay. Um, Yeah, let me tell you about this food. And then I want to have a sip of my tea. The tea is still steeping. Um, I went out with my girlfriend to this joint on Friday night. I'd never had Korean barbecue before. Um, I had had Korean barbecue once. I don't know if you all have had Korean barbecue. I don't know if I'm preaching to the converted here. If I'm singing to the choir. If I'm... I was going to say something about sex, but it wasn't going to be funny. I've never had uh, Korean barbecue like properly before. So one time I had it was years ago because people always talk about Korean barbecue and it was when I was living in North Melbourne and there's a couple Korean barbecue places on Victoria Street kind of near the near the markets and uh, I went in I was like, yeah, man, I'll have some Korean barbecue and I didn't realize because it's the ones, it's I didn't even know it was Korean barbecue. I just saw these places with tables with like barbecues, you know, with like heat. I don't know if it's a barbecue or it's just like a hot plate, whatever. You like cook it when you where you eat it. I was like, oh, that's cool. Let me go in there and try some of that. And then I'm looking at the menu and it's like these things of meat or this or that thing of meat. And I realized that it's really meant to share. And I was just in there by myself. I just ordered one server. I also at the time didn't have enough money to just frivolously try everything and not eat it all. I was like, I've got 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I went in there with 20 bucks, which was enough money to order like one fucking thing. And then they come out with, for some reason with Korean barbecue, it's all little like, like rolled up sheets of meat, isn't it? It's like flat, just like cuts of beef or whatever, but they all come rolled up and then they put them on the thing in front of you. And the guy was looking at me like, you're here by yourself, hey? I was like... That's right. I love eating meals by myself. And um, it was like, I don't know. Do you want to put them on? I was like, yeah, man, I'll put them on. Like, I guess the whole, it's interesting, isn't it? The whole appeal of that cooking it in front of you is like, I want to do it how I want to do it. But the whole point of going to a restaurant is like, I don't know how to do it. The guy back there cooking all the food, he knows how to do it. I don't know how to do it. But when I went there the first time by myself, I was so like wrapped up in the idea of like, I'm going to, I'm still going to get everything out of this experience, even though I'm by myself. So I went, um, you know, by myself. And when they put the meat down, I was like, I'll cook it. <laughs> and I like turned it all over. Anyway, I went with my girlfriend on Friday and, uh, we got the sharing things and it was so nice, but they have, so it's like a bunch of little bowls. There's like a bit of, you know, soup stuff some soy sauce, some sesame oil, some other fucking, oh, what was the other one? Like bean powder. That was kind of weird. Tasted like drywall. It didn't taste like anything, but I just was putting it with stuff because I was like, yeah, I'm having the experience. Um, but there was this one thing, it was like red paste. And uh, I want to say it was from like capsicums or peppers maybe, but it was so fucking good. 
and not like the first time when I got it. This time we got a, two pork things. We got like pork belly, pork ribs, and a beef thing, and just fucking it was all delightful. And this red paste changed my life. I thought I'd sorry. Oh wait, let me have a sip of tea. It's gonna be too hot, but we'll start. This will be a good starting point. Ow! Yeah, I just... I thought I'd tasted everything. I thought I was at the point where I'd tasted all the, you know, different types of sauces and stuff that I was going to taste, and now there was just better and worse ones. This one, completely new. The reason we went to Korean barbecue was uh, I had a music open mic on. Um... I guess there's just not heaps of places for me to try new gear or do different shows at the moment. So I was like, yeah, man, let me try some music over mics. I booked a couple, booked one on Thursday, one on Friday. That Friday was actually so lovely. Um, I've just been like, I've only been working three days a week, but I guess the days have been long and the work is kind of hard. So even though I've got a lot of days off when it's a long day, I just, I spent that whole day looking forward to like Friday night, going to meet up with my girlfriend. We're going to go... I'm going to do a music open mic and then we're going to sit there together and listen to a bunch of people play music and that's nice. And then um, after that, maybe we'll go get some dinner. And the music open mic was in this place called The Hive, I want to say. It's like a co-working space. And that was a lot of fun because I feel like I've done a few shows like that before where it's in people's workplace. But with The Hive being a co-working space, I guess what they're trying to do is publicize their space and maybe they think by getting having shows there and having like creatives in there, it'll be like free advertising. Like maybe those creatives want to hire a bit of office space and so that'll be a good thing for them. Um, but I saw this one guy there who I guess I've been thinking a lot about, you know, how I've been doing comedy for 10 years this year. I've been talking about that on stage. I've probably spoken about it on the podcast, but I can't remember. Um, and there was this guy who went on and there, like everyone had an intro. <laughs> My intro was like, it was, it's a big space, right? It's like a big open plan office. And the open mic was in a section of it that took up maybe like one sixth of the space, something like that. So I was quite open and it felt like, you know, it didn't feel like we're at a venue. It felt like we were where we were, which was after hours at someone's workplace. And um, there was a lot of empty space, you know. And so then it was very funny when, because I just gave them my standard bio, which is where I really big myself up. I'm like, Aiden Jones has been performing comedy since 2012 and uh, toured sold out shows in the Melbourne Comedy Festival and Perth Fringe and has toured Asia and Europe and blah 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 <clears throat> and uh, the girl who organised the event who was just like didn't seem like she was that used to public speaking but she'd organised the event so she was like well I'll introduce everyone so she's reading this very politely um, and then I come on and it's like I get the whole thing was like well if we're after hours in people's workplace like, look at where we are. Have you really toured Asia and Europe and all of these places? The bio that I gave didn't match the place where we were, which I thought was kind of funny and I made fun of myself for that. I guess it's it's very much a kind of bio where, like, I come on and it's like, fucking, this better be good, man, after all that stuff that she just said about you that seems really big and now, you know, we're next to people's desks and like pictures of their families and stuff, i.e. not a theatre. 
but anyway, that was later. This guy who came on was um, a uh, one of the musicians. And all I wanted to see, the reason I, I invited my girlfriend to that show was because I love those open mics because, you know, I mean, sometimes it's just like musicians just starting out or whatever, or they're okay, but they're not amazing. But sometimes you see someone who's like really amazing. And... Um, <clears throat> This guy, I wish I could remember his name, or I got, but I didn't even get it. But um, the this guy's bio was like he is um, was a musician for ten years, and then he took like a a bit of a left turn in his career. And keep in mind, this girl who's reading this, she's not in like she's not. I don't think she's in the arts at all. I guess she works in some sort of startup kind of industry or something, or maybe she works for the co-working space. She's part of their team. I don't know, but she's not. She's not a musician or a, or or a comedian or a performer or whatever. So when she's reading this guy's bio, what she's hearing in the words is very different to what I'm hearing. So she's just up there politely going, "He was a, a musician for ten years." And then he took a career left turn and became uh, a part of this company that make digital wallets. And then she was reading all the stuff about like an exciting new technology about digital wallets and a really exciting, you know, startup. Oh, still too hot. But what I heard in that bio wasn't anything about the, what, what I heard was this guy tried to be a musician for 10 years. And that was like his, you know, where his heart is, is playing music. And he did that. And then, um, and then it kind of started to not work for him as quickly as he wanted, or he just wasn't going how he thought it needed to go and he needed to make some money. So he bit the bullet and got a real job. And that real job is like the startup thing. Where, where where she kind of interpreted that as like, oh, what a funky career left turn. I don't know how those two things match up. I heard like, yeah, they don't match up. He had a dream and the dream didn't quite work out. He was probably feeling happy and fulfilled, but he just needed money. And as you get older, you need money. And uh, so he, he decided to take an opportunity that was maybe interesting to him, but would take time away from him pursuing music full time. And like now, you know, the guy's like, he looked about 40 and, uh, he looked like the way I imagine I might look when I'm 40. Like he looked like still kind of cool, but not like young, cool, like old guy, cool, you know? Um, Really, Aiden? You think you're going to look cool when you're 40? All right. <laughs> he did, okay? He looked cool for 40. He was wearing, like, he had, like, longer hair, but hair that was, it's, like, you know, acceptable in cool, trendy offices now. And he had on, like, a bit of a trucker cap and a kind of jacket, and he just played this music, and it was beautiful. And you know what? I'm going to get his fucking name, and I'm going to put... One of his songs at the end of this podcast. I bet I can find it now while I'm on the podcast. Hive. Is that what it was called? Yes. Alexandra. Open mic tomorrow. That's not the running order. Where's the running order? Come on. 
Uh, buh, buh, buh. Look, I know this is really boring, and I've started to do this every week. But no. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> that's, that's really upsetting me that I can't find it. We have a spot on the 19th of March. I was wondering if you'd be interested in performing. I'd love to. Hi, Aiden. Thank you for your prompt response. We ask that you arrive in the na Oh, there is no running order. You know what? Fuck this fucking email chain with no running or maybe it's in the event bright area. It's not going to load, is it? Because the event's passed. I really think this guy deserves to be heard. <laughs> Acoustic open mic night. It doesn't say. It doesn't say the names of the of the performers. Pathetic. Well, sorry, uh, Chub Flibley or whatever your fucking name was, but your performance will be lost to the ether. Fuck, anyway. So he played and it was great. And he just had a beautiful voice. And he was talking about love and relationships, I think. And he just had that way of being on stage where it was very easy. This is the kind of thing that I've been talking about when I saw those jazz musicians and they weren't easy. They were probably more proficient musicians than him. But this guy, you could tell he was a performer. He had that way of being on stage that just set everyone at ease. And then his performance was also just very easy. And, you know, his voice really suited the playing. And, oh, it was beautiful. And it, um, I said so when I went on stage. I was like, you know, that really got me, man, that 10 years thing. Because I've been doing this for almost 10 years. And I just have started to take stock of where I'm at. And, um, and then I went up to him afterwards. And I was like, man, honestly, that was incredible. It was beautiful. Thank you. Um, I just felt like that was a person who's experienced the thing that I've experienced and am experiencing right now and chasing comedy as a thing that I want to do. So, um, yeah, I had another couple of, I've just, as I've been saying this story, I've thought of another couple of things recently. First thing was one of the, one of the, um, places where we worked, I've said that I'm a removalist. I'm really trying to keep it vague so that I don't get fucking fired again. <laughs> One of the places where um, I moved this guy the other week from uh, a place in the northern suburbs to another place real close, and the guy must have been same age as Chib Dibley or whatever, trucker hat man, uh, forgotten dream man, let's call him that. <laughs> That's a rude thing to say, isn't it? I don't think he's put his dream to the side and I'm sure he's very happy in his life. And I, I can, here's the thing is it seems almost like it feels almost condescending for me to be like, Oh, he let his dream die. But at some point, you know, if you want to live a comfortable life, you got to choose between like pursuing this thing and living a comfortable life. And if that involves letting your dream die, I mean, that's a pretty brutal way to put it, but like, you know, it could be like a pragmatic choice. I don't know. I hope that guy wouldn't object to hearing me say it like that if he did. But maybe if he heard me say it like that and thought it was weird, he'd probably just feel sorry for me because he'd be like, oh, you're fucking young and you don't understand the choice that I made, but I made it. Whatever. Anyway, I met another guy. <laughs> I met another guy who uh, was, yeah, around that age, in his 40s for sure, had like a cool look to him and... Uh, we moved, he had lots, he had boxes and boxes of records and books. 
and uh, his hair was like in a cool style, but it was like there was a lot of grey through it. And he just looked, you know, like he'd, he'd been around the block in terms of partying and hanging out in artistic places and being free and loose in his life. He just looked cool. And uh, we packed all this stuff into our truck and the house that he moved out of, the other chick there had like a weird name like Zip or, F- or Flan. That was the kind of people, you know? And here's another thing. It was the kind of person that when I asked her, like, oh, do you own this place? She was like, oh, no way. (laughs) That made me think about um, the way that I would react if someone asked me if I own the place that I live in, which is the same way. I would go, oh, my God, no way. But I hope to one day be someone who owns a house but I guess what that reaction from her showed me is like if I don't if I don't stop treating the idea of owning a home as ridiculous, then it always will be ridiculous to me. Like a good mate of mine has just been approved for a very large home loan and he's looking to buy a house because he's saved up the deposit and, you know, whatever. And it's made me go like, you know what? It's not impossible to own a home. He can do it. We grew up in the same area. If he can do that and save that money, then there's no reason I can't do it. But if I keep reacting to the idea of owning a home with like, what? No way. You know, like if I, if I don't believe that that's for me, then I never will fucking own a home, will I? <clears throat> and I saw that in this chick because I saw when she reacted the same way I do, but she's probably got 10, 15 years on me. I was like, well, if I keep having that attitude for another 10 or 15 years, then it'll be that long later and I'll never have saved any money and whatever. But anyway, that's the kind of house that we were moving this guy out of. That was his housemate and, and he was moving into another place. We moved all his records and shit. And then we get to the uh, the drop-off, we move them all out, and there's a couple other boxes of miscellaneous stuff, and there's one where he goes, oh man, that's like CDs from my old band, don't even look at them, don't even open the box. It was like, he'd been in a band, I didn't even want to ask how long ago, but he wouldn't, I don't think he would have said, he just, he was really like, I don't want to talk about that. He goes, just chuck them out, man, just put them straight in the bin. And they were they were in a box, like still from the delivery box, and like they they hadn't been opened. He was like, just chuck them straight in the bin, man. It, that really, that seeing that really fucking hurt. Because I mean, I've got a bunch of backyard bitch t-shirts in my, <laughs> in my cupboard, and I've sold you know some of them, and and some of them I have not sold. And <laughs> since that moment's passed where I was doing the backyard bitch, I still have all these shirts, but they're too specific. Like no one's going <laughs> to, who's going to want to buy a backyard bitch t-shirt with a picture of Jamie Jury on it. That's going to be me at some point. I've been thinking the way that I'll chuck them out is I'll just take them to random salvos and just donate them. But like, will anyone want them then? Like, will anyone want those? Will someone see that in the salvos and be like, oh yeah, that's a cool shirt. I'll wear that. Probably not. (laughs) At least that's the thing with shirts is they can still serve a functional purpose. 
rather than this guy, this poor guy's CDs of this band that he cared about once enough to pr- like pay to have CDs made. Oh, it just hurts. It hurts to see failure because that's what that is. It's an emblem. It's a, a mark of failure to have something that you believed in that no one wanted. That's what that is. But it's important for growth and whatever, failure. Seeing that guy, I wanted to, here's the thing is I, I kind of wanted to ask him if I could have one of the CDs, but I think he would have like, I feel like that would have been rude, you know, for me to go, Hey, I'm a comedian and I really understand this. And I would like to have one of those CDs out of, it's out of morbid curiosity. That's what, that's what it is. Because the person who he was when he recorded those CDs with his band, him throwing those in the bin is symbolic of the fact that that person is dead now. It doesn't exist. The hope that that embodied is gone. And me wanting to have one of those CDs is like me talking to a dead person. If I went home and listened to, I mean, I don't have a CD player, so I don't know. Fuck. I don't have a CD player. (laughs) That's how long it's been since that guy gave up hope for his band. I don't even have the technology. Fuck. Maybe it was like 20 years ago. It can't have been that long ago because if it's been that long, then that guy, if it's like 20 years, then it stops hurting and starts being more nostalgic. But if it's like you know, only maybe 10 years ago and he's, you know, in more recent times come to grips with the fact that he's not selling them, then it is still painful. Anyway, so, yeah. I wanted to have one, but I was scared to ask him because I didn't want him to think that I was just like, like when people slow down near a car crash because they want to look at the body or whatever. You know, I didn't want to think, I didn't want him to think that I was doing that, but that absolutely is what I was doing. I wanted to hear what the music was like and the hope or the anger or the whatever emotion was in their songs. I bet there was something there. He seemed like a cool dude. I bet there was something, but it just wasn't the right thing. What happened? That's what I want to know. These people's dreams, what happened? Oh, and there was another one. Oh, there was another one. There was that guy. That's right. So there was that guy, that 10-year musician guy. And there was that other dude with his, with his fucking albums. And, uh, the next day or the day after I went to the open mic, I worked with, uh, I worked with one of the guys in the company I'm working for. Um, you meet a new guy every, every, every shift you work with a new guy. So I'm like chatting to this guy and he's a filmmaker, which was really cool. talking about his film that he's just put out and he's really excited about his next project. And he was 29, I'm 30, we're the same age. And I guess on the same kind of point in our journey. And, uh, we were talking about, like I was telling that story about that 30, uh, about that 10 year musician guy the night before and how that really affected me when he, when his intro included the fact that he'd tried to do that. And then now he was doing something else, you know, I was just like, it's crazy, right? To think that he could do it for 10 years and be so passionate about it and then just stop saying that to this guy. And I was like, do you ever feel like that? You know? 
Do you ever feel like you're getting to a point where it's like, fucking, I got to make some serious decisions? Do I? Do I keep going with this thing or what is it? Because it's just, it's scary. I guess turning 30 has made me think, like, y'all know I love Bill Burr. Bill Burr, y'all know I love Bill Burr. <laughs> y'all, wish I, if y'all know one thing about me, y'all know that I love Bill Burr. And that's all y'all got to know about me. <clears throat> I love Bill Burr. And Bill Burr tells a story about how he was in his mid late thirties, maybe still pushing on with the, with the career. And he was in, he like had like a, a breakdown in the back of a comedy club in the green room because he realized that he'd been there at the same comedy club every year for five years. And it was the same staff and the same people and the, the same kind of crowds coming out to see him. And he was just like, had this moment where it was like, Oh my God, is this it for me? Is this as high as I go? Just, am I going to be here doing this gig every year forever? And, um, that is the fear, you know, that is the thing where I'm like, I'm, I'm at an age now where I'm like, I could still probably get out and change careers. But if I go another 10 years, it really is like, that's what I've committed to. And that is the commitment that you make doing a creative thing like this. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to have any sort of capacity to make money. The older you get, the more options just start closing off to you. You can't just, you know, I can't fucking, I, I couldn't go and get a job now probably at the nightclub where I worked when I was 18. I probably couldn't just walk into there and go, hey, can I have a job? Because they'd be like, well, why don't you have any experience? Because at this point, I really don't. You know, I just, you know what I mean? It's okay to not have experience when you're younger at doing things. Because they're like, oh, they're young. We can teach them stuff. When you're older and it's like, I'm changing careers. People are always, it's like, the feeling is like, why? What happened? What went wrong? Should we be wary about hiring you if no one else will? Are we going to be that fucking people? Whatever. Options start. I don't know if that's quite it, but it does feel like as you get older, options to start again, start closing off and... And so I, I'm like, I could start again now and do something and still probably be in like a good paying job in 10 years time, or, or I could keep doing comedy. And I mean, obviously I'm going to keep doing comedy because I just feel like that's what makes me happy and whatever, but it's a question. It's not been a question before and it's a question now. And, uh, I was talking to this guy about that and he said something that really inspired me and made me feel fucking really good about the decisions that I've made to keep doing this is because he said like, so the show, my new show idea about playing piano in between stand up bits, I told him about that. And he was like, you know, as much as like, okay, you're still not getting whatever recognition you would like to get or you're not famous or you're not making heaps of money from doing stand-up. But the work that you're doing, like he said, that show that you told me about with the piano and playing stand-up and putting those two things together and the way that you spoke about it, that is a work of a 30-year-old person who's been doing stand-up for 10 years. And that's not that's a show that you could never have done if you were 20 or 25 
and you'd been doing it for a little bit, you know? And that made me feel so good because I was like, it doesn't really matter if people, the wider public, don't know what I'm doing because the thing that I'm doing right now, not a lot of people could do that. I think of MC, is it MC Escher? <laughs> Surely it's not MC Escher. That fucking artist. How do you spell it? I'm going to find it on here so I get it right. Escher, Escher. Oh, it is MC Escher, master of ceremonies, Escher, no better, no stressing for no weather. <laughs> Ugh, yuck. <laughs> He's not stressed and there's no weather. He's in space, no atmosphere. He's... <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> MC Escher. <clears throat> the guy who did those, um, the like Penrose steps, you know, those, those, uh, optical illusion kind of paintings where it looks like the, the steps are always going up, but they end up meeting back with themselves. So it's like impossible or the waterfall that's always going down around four sides and then it, it meets itself. And it's like, how did he draw that? So that guy, Mauritius Cornelius Escher, no, Moritz, Moritz Cornelius Escher, he's Dutch. Um, he, uh, he started doing those lithographs and lino cuts. I saw the exhibition that they put on, a, it's like a retrospective of his whole life in the NGV. I went a couple of years ago and, and he started doing that shit when he was like a teenager and he lived into his seventies and he was doing them like prolifically like making so many each year and the first ones were like pretty good and it shows them but the ones that he's famous for the absurd impossible ones that are all optical illusions he didn't even start doing those until he'd been doing it for like 30 years i think i talked about this two years ago on the podcast when i went and saw the exhibition and it's like it might even take that long to achieve something that's worthy of wide public recognition. But even that, like, <clears throat> I guess what that guy was saying is that maybe I shouldn't be looking for that public recognition or that's not the thing that should make me content in my work. The thing that should make me content is the work that I'm doing because it's true. On Thursday, my show starts in the Melbourne Comedy Festival and I don't have... Uh, my show is it's about meeting my biological dad and my relationship with my stepdad, my dad, and my mixed race ness. Um, and I wouldn't have been able to do that show two years into comedy, you know, or when I was that young. I didn't even start thinking about that stuff until I was like twenty six. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. How the fuck are you guys? I'm going to read another story from that Australian yarn is what I'm going to do. And then I reckon we might be done. What do we got here? Let's go to the back to the topics. What were the topics? Livelihood, historical tradition, physical activities and pastimes, wanking, <laughs> transport and communications, human life. Ooh, Yandy. There's a, there's a picture of a lady with her boobs out in human life. Let's go 
84, Love and Sex. All right. What of the Australian yarn lads got to say, the men of this country got to say about love and sex? Let's find a short one. God, these are all so long. Why is... Oh, my God, there's one called Chinese Cook. No, thank you. Passion. Here we go. I'll read it in the voice. The other day we were having a great old discussion in the crib room about women. Oh, fuck. The question was what sort of enjoyment women got out of sex. It came around to whether or not they made any sort of noise when they were at the height of passion, you know, when they were having an orgasm. Or said, there's no use asking me. And the other fellow said they didn't know either. Sammy was there, and he's recognised as the greatest sex maniac around town. He's always knocking Sheila's off. So if anyone should know about that sort of thing, it'd be him. I said, hey, Sammy, what sort of noise does a woman make when you're on her and she's, right at, the ho- uh, and she's at the height of passion? Sammy looked worried and thought about it for a moment, and then he said that his women always went, eek, eek. Fuck. How about that, hey, boys? That was a loco driver from Cairns in 1970. That's pretty fucking wild, isn't it? That in 1970, men didn't know what women sounded like when they were having an orgasm. Fuck. I guess it's very tempting, isn't it, to think that... um, Like, the discourse around... For me, I always feel like as much as we have a discourse about feminism and race and all these things that we're trying to move forwards in society towards like places of equality and tolerance or whatever, it's so tempting for me to just think that the the conversation hasn't changed and doesn't change. But that right there, no man today would ever admit that they don't know what a woman's orgasm sounds like, surely. That's fucking crazy. And those guys are just like, it's not even like they, they, they don't care. They're just curious. <laughs> Evidently, they don't care because they've never tried to do it. They're just like, fuck. That's crazy, isn't it? Bunch of guys going, what does a woman sound like when she's enjoying sex? Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. That was a loco driver from Cairns in 1970. That's only 50 years ago. I wonder if we went up to Cairns now and asked dudes the same questions, what they'd say. Anyone been to Cairns or from Cairns? Let me know. What do you think a woman like sounds like when she's enjoying sex? You know what? I wouldn't even be... Here's another thing, though, is I wouldn't be comfortable making that sound. I wouldn't be comfortable. I feel like there's a, there's a betrayal of some sort of trust there. I don't know. Anyway, I think that the story can just stand as it is. I don't need to analyze it anymore. What sort of noise does a woman make when you're on her and she's at the height of passion? Eek, eek. Fuck. Well, that's been the podcast this week, guys. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope you're having a really nice week. I'll catch you next week. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.